We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, another home loss for the Nets tonight, 124-118. No James Harden, no Nick Claxton, uh, no Daron Sharp, and obviously no Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris. But there was still some promising things. Yeah, unfortunately, moral victories don't count, Nick. <laughs> yeah, obviously, especially for a team like this, you know, this isn't the rebuilding Nets. This is a championship contender. We're going to jump into that and plenty more, but make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms Jack, where do you want to start? Nick, uh, I think we start with that third quarter. Oh, no, the second quarter, sorry. The third quarter did not go so well. Uh, the second quarter where the Nets were able to outscore the Denver Nuggets 37 to 25. Now, some of that was, you know, Nikola Jokic in a little bit of foul trouble. But when, even when he did return, I think the Nets went on something like a, a 10-0 run. In, in, in probably what was the best stretch of the game, you know, for the Brooklyn Nets, what did you see? Yeah, I think the Nets just did a great job of kind of pushing pace. You know what I mean? You score 37 points in a quarter because obviously you are getting a lot of shots up, but also you're getting shots that you like. And obviously the lineups they're throwing out there tonight weren't super spaced. So if you could kind of catch them in some mismatches or catch them kind of setting up their defense, it allowed you to get some good opportunities. I think, you know, Cam Thomas came in that second quarter, had some good moments. Blake Griffin, I thought, played some good minutes in this game. You know, Patty Mills did his thing in that second quarter too. So that and also I think the Nuggets, I don't want to say took their foot on the gas because I never felt like they were really pressing in this game, but they didn't take the Nets seriously enough and the Nets capitalized that in that second quarter. Yeah, I mean, they were coming off a back-to-back as well coming from yep. Detroit. So, you know, both the teams probably a little bit tired in, in some respect. You know, Cam Thomas did his thing in that quarter as well. You know, we sort of see him heat up, you know, hit some yep. of his, hit one of his first side steps. Kessler Edwards plays some good defense and, you know, get out in transition. I think he finished the quarter with that little scoopy layup. Yep. Um, it was really fun to see, obviously, over, you know, this the so-called MVP, <laughs> PER master, Nikola Jokic, but that was a, a really nice play from him. And, you know, James Johnson, John Jay Bembry, these sort of things. The ball was moving. It just seemed to me that there was a lot of instinctual, quick basketball tonight. I, I, I thought, Nick, and I think that second quarter really was emblematic of that. You know, just get a stop and just move it quickly. Let's just get out in transition as quick as we can. Let's get some early offense, whether it's an early three or an early layup. Let's try and get to the free throw line a little bit. Let's make the quick pass. Let's not over dribble it. And I think that you know there was just some nice momentum and some nice chemistry. And, and it was why the Nets were able to be, 
you know, so close within the game. And you know, there were runs that the Denver Nuggets did go on, you know, in the third and in the fourth. But the fact that the Nets were able to hang around, I think is a credit to them. To only lose by six to a team that is one of the, you know, is one of the best in the, the Western Conference. You know, obviously coming off a back-to-back, but the Nets don't have their four best The Nets were on a back-to-back too, so. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, not having your four best players and, and having Patty Mills, you know, James Johnson and Kessler Edwards lead the team in minutes with 38 and 37. Patty Mills continued to be a, a revelation. You know, there was just some, a lot of guys, you know, had just double-digit performances. You know, James Johnson had 12. LaMarcus Aldridge had, had 18. Patty Mills had 21. DeAndre Bimbrey had 14. Javon Carter, Nick. Javon Carter. I can't remember the last quality analysis we did on JC. Yes, 13. And, of course, our boy Killer Camp had 25. You know, a career high for him. So, a lot of really great team things we saw tonight. It's almost like we deserved a win. You know, the, it just seemed to me that look, the basketball gods weren't in our favor. Yeah, I mean, Austin Rivers went 7 of 10 on the other side from 3, which is just like, uh, God, that that's a major L on its own. But like you said, that second quarter, I felt like they pushed up, pushed the pace. They started running a little bit more. And like I said, it didn't necessarily result in easy transition buckets, but it provided them some mismatches. I think later in that fourth quarter, it had a little bit of an impact on a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge because I saw him running more in that second quarter than I feel like I've seen him run a lot this season. And when it came to the fourth, he was the last man down the floor almost every time. And I think James Johnson, too, you saw him miss a couple layups in that fourth quarter. Both guys missed free throws. So being undermanned and having to rely on, you know, older guys playing big minutes definitely didn't help the team either. And I like I felt like at times, you know, I'm obviously not a super Blake Griffin guy, but I felt like Blake maybe could have been better in that fourth or went with him a little bit longer because I didn't even think he did that bad against Jokic either. No, I thought he was okay. And I, and I liked his synergy, you know, with Cam and, and, and with Patty. So maybe you replace LaMarcus in, in certain yep. spots because, you know, his offense wasn't there and, you know, he is not going to be as great a defensive player as Blake Griffin is, you know, obviously missing two of the free throws and, and James Johnson splitting a pair. I think the Nets went something like one of five in the fourth, whereas the Nuggets, I think, barely missed, if if at all. And, you know, in the sort of final four minutes or so, I think this was Iron Eagle sort of alluded to this, that the Nets had one point in four minutes and, and 11 seconds. They'd missed, I think, five or six straight shots. And some of the the, the, the looks that they were creating were, not, were actually decent. Look, you know, Paddy missed the a wide open three, you know, LA missed, you know, some of his mid range mastery, you know, the, the ball was hanging off the rim a little bit with some James yep. Johnson layups. So it just seemed to me that those are, I guess, tired shots in a lot of ways, you know, Patty, the, 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 the three that Patty missed was pretty short, you know, closer to being an air ball than it was to being a splash shot. So tired guys, Nick, it, it makes a lot of sense with the, the cramped schedule that the Nets do have to play because of the COVID, yep. you know, uh, postponement and stuff so you get through this you move on to the next one it's a couple of days rest uh, before you know some some weekend action and another little, little road trip with Kyrie Irving coming back and hopefully James Harden is back as well but look I I, I think that this just as a, a, a pure viewing experience Nick I'm not sure how you felt I had fun watching this game yeah it was not bad especially when you watch what was it the first three minutes of the game and the Nets felt like they couldn't score a point or generate a good shot. And the next thing you know, you know, they're up at halftime. And like we said, like you said, there was opportunities to win this in the fourth, miss free throws, some dumb mistakes. Like the one thing that just stuck out to me, that was just a really bad decision was James Johnson going for that steal on Nikola Jokic and leaving Austin Rivers, who I mentioned was super hot in this game. It's just like, 
that's what you can't do. If you're, you know, going for that steal and you have a bad three-point shooter in the quarter, maybe. But then also you're going against Nikola Jokic. So you know if you don't get the steal, he's hitting the wide-open guy. Almost in my head, it's like if you go for that gamble and you don't get it, you almost have to commit the foul to just stop the play. Yeah, it's and I think that the Nets might have been in the bonus there because I think they had like three offensive fouls to like start the fourth quarter in a lot of stretches. That so, was a weird stretch. Yeah, it was one on the Nets, one on the Nuggets, one on the Nets. It was just it was just weird. Like you don't ever really see that in the NBA unless the refs are just uh, just on something else. Yeah, it was it was very odd. But I agree. I was going to point out that uh, play myself as well. So two great minds think alike. You know, it's not Bruce Brown in the corner there. It's not DeAndre Bembry, Javon Carter. Though, again, Javon Carter, I probably shouldn't say that based on tonight's performance. But, yeah, Bruce Brown, we can sort of say. So, I, it was a boneheaded play, Nick. And in a lot of respects, you know, you're not going to beat, you know, teams when you make these sort of mistakes. You know, whether it's against a, a Denver Nuggets team or a Los Angeles Lakers team. You know, too many simple mistakes that gift the, the opposing team points. When you're struggling so much to generate and find that quality offense yourself, you know, it, you're leaving yourself behind the eight ball in a lot of respects. So, and you know, Bruce Brown did the same sort of thing where you know he missed a, a shot and then give a, a goddamn stupid ticky tacky foul. Which twice. He's done it like twice, like twice a game for like yeah. the past. I think since I've been back at fields, it's just yeah. like, and and that's something when we were talking about Bruce when he was playing, you know, a, a bit better basketball. That was just like when he was, you know, finding his form, it's just like Bruce is overfailing a little bit. And then he found the physicality and we were talking about how, you know, the physicality suits him a little bit and he can do a little bit. And now he's just dumb. Like he's not a, a smart defender, which is and just yeah, uh, very, very frustrating. You know, for yeah. a, a team that only had, what was it, nine available players or something like that, Nick? Yep. Yeah, I think it was nine available players. You, to get, you know, 12 minutes from Bruce Brown and minus 11 in those 12 minutes, that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, and this is not to be disrespectful. He was easily the worst net tonight. You know, even Javon Carter outplayed him, and Carter's had a really rough season. But Bruce Brown, I'm not sure exactly what it is. Maybe it's the trade rumors. Maybe it's just, like, him worrying about his spot in the rotation. But he's a completely different player, and he's just having a hard time having any type of positive impact on the floor. Like, this is arguably the worst basketball of his career because even in Detroit, he wasn't really doing this and he was still playing high level defensively right now. It's just like, he's not playing good defense. He can't hit a shot offensively and he's not really making those extra hustle plays. No. And he's not, you know, the, the quality defender, like, you know, you want to be just in, in when Bruce Brown's at his best, who would be guarding Austin Rivers? It probably would have been Bruce Brown, but it was, you know, Kessler Edwards for a, a lot of strikes because right now he's the best defender that's available in our rotation. You know, DeAndre Bembry, throw out there for a, a little bits and pieces as well so look bruce needs to find the fountain I, they always say the fountain of youth but the fountain of form for yeah. he is playing awful basketball as you alluded to nick so i'm not saying that this is the end of bruce brown and his tenure in brooklyn but you know because of the fact that you know he took the qualifying offer he has to you know, accept any trade to whatever destination the Nets were, were to possibly send him to. And, you know, him, Javon Carter, Paul Millsap, those are three guys that are, are, are unlikely to be on the Nets roster. But, you know, Bruce Brown's probably the most likely, given the status of his contract and the fact that he would have to approve any sort of trade that, that would send him somewhere. So, look, we'll wait and see how it does pan out. But, you know, he's not doing much for his trade value either. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Bruce could also want to go somewhere else and just feel like he could have a better opportunity or just like a change of scenery. But again, when the Nets are fully healthy, that's when he shines with that spaced out lineup. So maybe he's holding out for that. 
But, you know, talking about Patty Mills, like you said, Jack, he really showed up tonight. He only played 32 minutes, but it was like high uses, high energy, 32 minutes. Like he plays 32 minutes, usually somewhat on a regular basis now, but tonight the amount of times he was just sprinting constantly around the floor to get open or try to generate shots for the, the offense was a lot, a lot for a guy that's never really had to do that consistently at an NBA level. And he finished with 21 points, six of 12 from the field, four of eight from three, five of six on the free throw line, three rebounds, six assists, one steal, and only one turnover. Uh, this was a really impressive game from Patty. Probably honestly, like, one of the most impressive games for him this season, given that he was asked to do so much. He was the Nets' best player. You know, when yep. you have so many guys out, you know, it, the burden increases on everyone else. We said that about, you know, Kyrie Irving being out, Kevin Durant, you know, Joe Harris, you know, all, all those sort of guys being out. It means that the ripple effect is that, you know, Patty Mills has that extra burden yep. of responsibility. And he relishes that, Nick. It's the type of guy that he is. And uh, you know, my standard is as true as anyone else on planet Earth. But, you know, you can't ask. Yeah, you put out some uh, R-rated tweets. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I got mixed up with, like, you know, the Patty Mills OnlyFans and the Patty Mills <laughs> Twitter stuff. Sometimes I get some of the, the different notes and different memes mixed up. So uh, don't check out my Twitter profile <laughs> at Jack Daniel. You know, why not? Give it a follow. Um, but in, in, in all honesty, Nick, you know, the six assists is something that sticks out. You know, he had really nice chemistry and, and some really nice dimes to LaMarcus Aldridge, James Johnson. You know, he was he was throwing nice cutting passes and, you know, his, his energy and, and it just the one seemed Blake to Blake that... was uh, finished in a beautiful dunk. That was, a, that was one of his better passes of the season. Absolutely gorgeous pass that you just alluded to. So it just seemed to me that the team took on his image and his personality tonight. Like we've sort of seen when, you know, it's Kevin Durant, the rookies, and this, this bit of attitude and, and bit of like FU mentality. Tonight, it just seemed to be like, you know, energetic, joyful and an exuberant sort of team. And that was, you know, led by, you know, Mr. Patrick Samuel Mills. And, you know, his three ball was on. You know, he just did everything for the for the team tonight. And you know, it was tiring watching him because he just did yeah. so goddamn much, you know, for a 32-minute game. You know, this might as well have been, you know, 45 with the amount of requisite energy that he put out there. Um, and it was a heck of a heck of a performance. Yeah, and a sneaky little move from Steve Nash in that fourth quarter to get him what was 30 seconds of game time rest, but it ended up being like four to five minutes of real time rest. That was that was a smart coaching move. Obviously, we've given Nash a, a lot of shit over the last couple of weeks, but that was that was a good move. Yeah, to touch on it, I saw the timeline exploding and I'm like, but I, 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 was, I literally had the exact same thought as you. I'm like, no, I think that they're just trying to get him that little bit of extra rest. Yeah. And it was smart. You know, it's, look, I think that this is where a lot of coaches can thrive because Steve Nash doesn't play 11 players because he doesn't have 11 players healthy tonight. Yeah. So we only had the nine guys that he could throw out there. And, you know, the it just seemed to me that, like, the floor was spaced better, you know, in tonight's you know game in comparison to when James Harden's leading the team and, and, and a lot of respects. You know, they shot 41.4% from three, 12 of 29 there. You know, the volume isn't huge, but, you know, when you've got Patty Mills going four of eight, you've got Javon Carter going four of seven, and you've got Cam Thomas going four of six, that's where it all goes. So, you know, three guys having pretty goddamn flamethrower night, so it certainly does help that. But it just seemed to me that there was a better cohesion uh, across the line. Yeah, I think an easy way to look at it offensively for a reason that non-spacers are more effective without James Harden and the Stars is because a lot of stuff with the Stars is in isolation or in pick-and-roll situations, and that eliminates a lot of cuts to the middle of the floor or at the angles in which the Nets are making cuts today. Like, you saw them cutting from the wing into the paint. You know, typically you're worried about kind of 
cramping that up with James Harden running a pick and roll or running an ISO and you're, you know, adding another defender to the mix. But when you're playing this style of basketball, that's so movement and ball movement heavy, I feel like it allows non-shooters to be utilized more because especially guys like DeAndre Bembry, who are great cutters, you know what I mean? It allows them to excel where it's a little tougher because you have to really time it when you're playing with players like James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. That's nothing against those guys. It's just a different style. You know, if the Nets were, have a different roster, you know, this would be something maybe they're utilized more. I think with Kyrie, though, and what I've seen since being back, Nick, is that you know, guys like to cut off him, whether it's Patty and Kess, you know, or DeAndre Bembry. It seems to me that Kyrie thrives more as a ball handler in those scenarios, whereas, like you mentioned too, with you know, Kevin Durant and James Harden, you know, that's just not the style of players that they are. So, it, And I think because Kyrie is such a willing cutter also, so he sort of likes to see that. And it's sort of just like I sort of said, you know, the team taking on his identity uh, in a lot of respects. So it's sort of just like those those different sort of, uh, you know. Compact. I think Kyrie also moves better off ball himself compared to, you know, Kevin Durant and James Harden. And I think that has an impact as well is because now it's like a relocation. You know, the problem with James Harden sometimes is he'll kick the ball out and then he'll step five feet behind a three-point line and just doesn't really do anything. Yeah, he's... Uh... An immovable object in a lot of respect. There's no inertia uh, whatsoever. But Nick, you touched on DeAndre Bembry, and you know there were probably some better players tonight. But let's just get through the starters. And I wanted to touch on DeAndre Bembry. Seven eleven from the field for him tonight. Fourteen points. Also had three assists and a steal. Three boards as well. I just love the way he attacks the rim. That's the thing yeah. that stuck out for me tonight. And you know his dexterity around there and his craftiness around there. You know the finish that he had. I think off a a Johnson, uh, James Johnson dump off pass. And, you know, Nikola Jokic is like right next to him and right above the rim. Yeah, it was like but he, and, Yeah, like, and for those, we needed to do some video pods so everyone <laughs> can see the, the, the beautiful reenactment that you just gave me. But yeah, the, he sort of angles his body where he finishes it. He's sort of facing, a, you know, a, away from the glass. His body's facing away from the glass. And I, I just thought that was awesome and i think i might have to clip that one tomorrow or try and do a bit of a thread because there was just a lot of fun plays from tonight and you know john j Bembry is continuing to show positive form coming back from the injury um, and i expect this level of form from him as well when james harden's back um, and, and and as well as Kyrie and all these other guys because this is you know he can do this sort of thing you know i want him to be aggressive at being an offensive player because if he's it, it, it collapses the offense as well because he made some nice kick-out passes too. And sort of, yep. you know, even if the guy doesn't take the shot, it sort of gets the defense scrambling a little bit. And, you know, you, you, you make those kick-out passes. It, it just does things to, to the opposing defense. So now I just really like what DeAndre Bembry did tonight, Nick. It, it seemed to me that he had a, a greater effect than the 14 points and uh, in, in the 26 minutes that he played. Yeah, his finishing at the rim is really good for a role player. Like, he was able to fit, finish a lot of contested shots, you know, over Jeff Green, over Jokic, over other de Denver defenders. And you mentioned you like the way he attacks the rim. I also just, like, love the way he attacks offensive players. Like, when he's defending, he really makes them uncomfortable. And like you said, just a good role player that you have on this team. And I think he can be utilized a little bit more in some of the lineups when you have the full big three back. You know, that lineup that finished the game against the Pacers where he saw Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden take the floor. You saw him utilize. He was the short roll guy. He was the guy getting the easy dunks and the easy layups. And I think really he surpassed Bruce Brown for that role this season. It, well, he quite easily because, you know, Bruce Brown, I can't remember the last time he hit a layup, whereas, you know, <laughs> you know offensive game is layups. And 
he doesn't have the the, the quote-unquote floater that Bruce Brown had last season, but I prefer a guy around the basket because it's much harder to defend and it also allows you to, you know, draw fouls yourself and also make the, the kick-out passes. And, you know, it just... It just creates ripple effects for other things and other teammates and stuff. So shout out to DeAndre Bembry, but I, I thought he was really, really positive tonight. Yeah, another note on him, and this isn't just like taking shots at Bruce Brown. Bembry's just a little bit more athletic. You know, he's just a little quicker out there. And I think when you are trying to play that super small ball lineup and you're scrambling constantly on the floor, sending double teams and playing like that attack mentality, I th- that's a player you want to have because he can cover up some mistakes. And I also like his, despite the fact that, you know, he's not going to hit, you know, two, he's not going to take five threes a night. I, I like that he'll take one or two. Yep. And, and and Bruce will do that if, you know, he's sitting out there in, in the, the weak side corner where he shouldn't be or where Steve Nash shouldn't have him. I'm not sure whose fault that is. But, you know, if it's DeAndre Bembry, I'm like, okay, that's not too bad because I just think his mechanics and form are okay. And I also do think that, you know, it allows him to, I guess show a little bit of you know respect to to the defense and sort of go okay well if you don't come out to me I'll take one or two of them but then I can also really close out hard on you and and make the kick out pass or or do something weird and wacky around the rim. Yeah, I think he likes to take them early in the game. So like you said, Jack, he can get even that one more step in the closeout and then he can attack the rim and that's where he feels more comfortable. So you know credit to him. He was a guy that stepped up, played with really good energy tonight. You know we touched on Patty, we touched on Bembry. I think. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving over to Kessler Edwards, another guy who I really like the way he played. Nine points, three of seven from the field. Oh, two from three, three of three from the free throw line, six rebounds, one assist, two blocks, two turnovers. You know, you mentioned that layup at the end of the second quarter over Jokic. It just, you know, screams like veteran stuff. And obviously Kessler's a rookie and he just went in there and took what the defense was giving him. And we saw him do that in the previous game with a pull-up jumper. Just love the things that he does on the floor. And he feels like, I don't want to say a veteran role player because there's still some rookie mistakes there, but he looks more than just a rookie that's played about 10 or 15 games. 
Yeah, the the level of poise, composure that he does have is is something you know wise beyond his years. You know, he's Yoda like in in a lot of respects. <laughs> you know, you never see him really get flustered either. You know, yep. to Marcus Cousins, Austin Rivers, Monte Morris doing all these really flustery BS things, and Kessler was just like, all right, fine. You know, the, the, it's not a foul, but I'll you know I'll take it on the chin. And I think that that's the the, the personality that he does have is just awesome you know a, a lot of people are, are in love with the Kess Express and you know it's easy to know why you know the six boards that he did out tonight two of those were offensive boards as yeah. well he has great athleticism he's super strong and I think that he's starting to show a, a little bit more aggression around the rim which I'm liking whether it's dunks or, or layups and, and that sort of thing he sometimes shows hesitation but it's just like you know what? okay can I get here yeah I'm gonna go bang because he's got such a, a great burst of speed and a, and a great vertical about him. You know, the two blocks tonight, some of his defenses, you know, it, it, it's not just the, the blocks and the highlight plays. It's the, the rotations that he's makes. It's the fighting through the screens. It's knowing when to go over the screen and fight through it and when to go under. You know, he just has just these little you know, nuances to his defensive game that are just you know, really, really impressive in, in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, what he's going to develop into, this is what we're seeing of him now. He's only going to get better. Obviously, the three ball, hopefully that starts to hit a little bit more. But the ones he did take tonight were actually probably just at the end of the clock um, in, in a lot of respects. The one thing I will say, not to, you know, rain on the, the Kess Express parade, the one time where you can sort of utilize, I guess, some of his rookie and and his frailty as a, as a youngster is when he's under the basket and in the post. Yep. You know, if you get decent positioning on him, you can bully him. He, 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 yes, he's the, got a decent enough frame for, for a guy of his age, but, you know, Aaron Gordon can do that to him. Jokic, we saw LeBron do it to him a little bit. So I think that that's one area where I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he can go forward because, you know, he's so good at helping others in, in those respects as well. So his help defense is obviously incredible. So it just... To me, where uh, sometimes you know he might you know overfoul a little bit too, or his body positioning isn't great. That's one area where he can look to improve on, um, and he can be an even greater weapon. And I'm not saying that he can't either. I think that that's an area where I expect him to to get better in. And you know, going forward, if we see Kessler Edwards and Kevin Durant in the in the line, I mean, we we already have for for certain stretches. But this version of Kessler, which even before when we saw him playing alongside Katie, has improved markedly. He's improving game after game after game. If you have Kessler Edwards and Kevin Durant at the four and five, that for me is like a, a sort of weird death lineup that I'm intrigued about. Yeah, even like we talked about yesterday, I mean, even potentially Nick Claxton in there too as an option. I think, like you said, Jack, uh, it's just rookie strength. You know, I think a year in the weight room in the offseason, you know, getting those legs stronger, getting that core stronger, that allows you to deal with a little bit more. Uh, another thing that he does really well, he's a pretty good passer. Like he's not like an elite level passer, but he's a good enough connector in the offense and just kind of making some of those plays. Even today when he ran pick and roll a couple times, a lot of the Nets were having a hard time getting the pass over the two Nuggets defenders because they were constantly either hedging hard or blitzing. And he was able to kind of make a little jump and drop the ball into LaMarcus Aldridge, force the Denver defense to rotate, create an advantage for the offense. So just simple, small things like that from Kess is what you love to see from a role player. And yeah, I think with the the getting bullied a little bit down low, I think right now you look at him defend more two or threes. You want to keep him probably away from like those LeBron, Aaron Gordon, like those thick forwards. Yeah, and with and jumping on top of the passing, Nick, I, I think that that's where you know being six eight, six nine, you know, gives yep. you an advantage. You can make those interior passes, and 
I think he's also just knows, you know, he's just in, instinctual in giving the ball up. He's just like, he'll rarely have, you know, high-level turnovers. He had two tonight, but, you know, that's, you know, Cam Thomas had four in the in the minutes that he did play. He just always is just like, okay, not, not, nothing there. Quickly kick it out to, to Patty or to Cam or to LA or whoever else it might be. He's just a good decision maker, you know, whether whenever the ball is in his hands. And, and that's saying, saying something for a guy who's played, what, you know, 30 games in his career. Yeah. The Kess Express bandwagon, you know, it's turning into a very large mode of transportation. Yeah, I think um, moving on from Kesslow, talk a little to Marcus Aldridge. Played about 33 minutes tonight, 18 points, 7 of 16 from the field, all one from three, four or six on the free throw line, eight rebounds, one block, one turnover, three fouls. You know, I thought in the first half and even in the third quarter for some periods, he did a solid job on Nicole Jokic. But like I said, in that fourth, I felt like he looked a little gassed. I also thought that, you know, some of his defense on DeMarcus Cousins, that was a good matchup for him because it's just like, what Cousins' best version of himself at, at this point of his career is, is probably LaMarcus Aldridge, a sort of six-man, you know, sort of hater that can, you know, hit a few shots. And, you know, he did in, in certain respects before, you know, he just got in got in his feelings a little bit. But, you know, the, he had a nice block on, on DeMarcus Cousins on one of his drives. You know, some of his back-to-the-basket game, he was bullying Uncle Jeff in, in a lot of respects. I think that, like, you know, he had a, a closeout as well, which I was just like, okay, I guess LaMarcus has, has yeah. got a little bit more there. And I thought that was really nice. Um, and there was just uh, some good team ball where, you know, I think there was, I think it was at, uh, at 50 all. So if, if you guys are going to got some game film, go check it out. You know, uh, Javon Carter makes a pass to James Johnson. And then there was a nice little instinctual pass to, to Lamarcus yep. Aldridge. You know, sort of sweat, just fizz, 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 bang, let's get a bucket. So I thought that he was, uh, uh, and he obviously has great chemistry with the Paddy Mills. And uh, when, I, when he hit his first shot, I think, Nick, I was, you, your sentiments were immediately in my head. I'm like, okay, if he hits his first one, Nick said, like, you know, he's going to be on. And he looked pretty on. It wasn't like a phenomenal game by LaMarcus Aldridge because I don't think he can play 32 minutes consistently. Yeah. You know, he's averaging 26 minutes right now. I think, sorry, 23 minutes right now. And I think that, you know, 25 is probably his limit in a lot of respects. But, you know, when the, the, you're asking a, a little bit more of him, I still think that he was a, a net positive because, again, you know, plus four on the night. Yeah, he was solid. Like he And he also looked to attack the rim a little bit more in this one, you know, getting in the paint, getting some of those paint touches instead of settling always for the mid-range shot and, you know, got to the free throw line six times as well. So, like you said, Jack, you know, he was good tonight. He stepped up, you know, wasn't necessarily enough to get the dub, but it was enough if, you know, James Harden was probably out there. This looks like a win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, James Johnson, Nick. Now, I saw, I guess that this was probably, you know, the sort of two-face, you know, version of James Johnson that we got tonight. We alluded to, obviously, some of the boneheaded plays, the missed free throws, that sort of thing. But I do also think that he did a lot of good stuff tonight. Yep. As as we chatted a little bit off wax, what he does well is almost, you know, ancillary sometimes, you know, when the big three are healthy. So I think some of that has to be on Steve Nash to be able to go, okay, he has seven assists tonight to, to go with three steals as well as the 12 points to eight rebounds, five or 12 from the field. Don't know why he's taking a pull-up three. <laughs> One of the worst shots that I've ever seen, you know, a guy take for the next this season. But in general, I thought this was a pretty positive game from him, despite the fact that he did make some mistakes. It's just whether can he replicate some of this when, you know, we get some of the superstars back. Yeah, I think you looked at him attacking a lot of mismatches too or catching guys flat-footed in transition. That's one skill he does have, bringing the ball up the floor as a big, especially because his matchup is usually someone who's not super agile. It's usually, 
you know, whoever the opposing team is trying to hide, either like James Johnson's not really going to do much. So that's when he kind of gets some opportunities to get those easy layups or get some shots in the paint. So you like that, obviously dribble handoffs and just kind of creating some penetration, you know, getting some movement and forcing the defense to move is something he did well. But like you said, Jack, when the Nets are healthy, he's not a guy that's really going to have the ball in his hands a, t- a ton. So if he can just get a couple touches here and there, maybe you can utilize him. But I think it's just he just doesn't really move that well consistently. You know, from game to game, it feels like his body just might be a little bit beat up. No, and, and that's just one thing. You know, we're asking if a, a James Johnson to 39 to like, minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not really the, what you want you know, to, to happen consistently, but it's just the nature of the this wild and, and wacky season that the Nets are currently going through. But yeah, his ball facilitation, some of the, you know, the little bounce back passes that he throws to Patty Mills are yep. something that I, I always really enjoy. You know, and he, when he's around the basket, it's sometimes hit and miss, but you know, he, for the probably 50% of the time, it looked like he was hitting it. So that was a, a, at least a positive event. Yeah, like you mentioned, you know, some of the defense, you know, some of the help defense, all that sort of thing, you know, bullying uh, some of the guys, using some of his, you know, strengths, um, you know, passing, you know, but that's it. Um, you know, it's just, was that good enough to overtake some of the, I guess, more significant, you know, boneheaded players, like you mentioned on Austin Rivers, missing some, you know, uh, free throws, all that sort of thing. Probably in, in a vacuum, I think this was a positive game. And, and I hope that, like I sort of alluded to, you got James Johnson. Uh, and I think that we sort of mentioned this off wax. The Nets starting five today, uh, tonight is probably a decent enough backup five in, in a lot of respects because Johnson, Mills, Aldridge, as I sort of said on the last pod, have some really nice chemistry. I think Kessler Edwards works alongside any sort of lineup. And as does DeAndre Bembry. Both of those guys are probably two of our sort of really solid, reliable uh, role guys. Yeah, I think especially with, you know, KD and uh, Joe Harris and then obviously Kyrie not being available for home games, that's a lineup you want to roll with probably in the non-hardened minutes at home. You know, there's someone that can generate some offense, maybe even squeeze Cam in there for Kessler so you can keep Kessler with James Harden because I think that's where Kess is best. But it seems like Kess is playing majority of the minutes anyway, so it's really like he's going to be on the floor a lot and he's young, so there's no reason for him not to rack up relatively big minutes. And I don't envision him playing 36 or 37 in the playoffs, so it should be fine. I don't think he'll be too worn down by them. If anything, you know, at this point in time, it seems like Kessler Edwards would probably be a bench role in the postseason, which is perfectly fine and way over expectations. Definitely. Hopefully, you know, we don't have to rely on him to a greater extent. But a man I don't hate on relying on tonight, Nick, and that's Killer Cam Thomas. Can't believe it's taken us this long to actually get to him. 25 points for Kelly Cam, a career high. 8 of 14 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. Nice to see the 3 ball finally drop a little bit. 5 of 6 from the free throw line. Also had a dime, 4 turnovers. But this was this was Cam Thomas in all of his glory. Yeah, I think this is what you want to see, especially with Harden, you know, out. And then also this is something you want to see when Harden's not on the floor in the games that he does play. You know, we were talking about this yesterday in the last pod is like, you know, Cam didn't play well in that first half, but still you might want to just give him a go to see what he can do. Because when he gets hot, you know, there's a stretch he hit back to back step back threes. That's six points right there. Like, that's what you need, when, especially when you're not generating offense. And he's crafty. He's getting some buckets. He's starting to understand NBA defenses a little bit more. And I think even on that one assist he did have, it was it was a dime, too. So credit Cam for bouncing back from a poor game and turning the next game into a career game. Yeah, I think the dime that he had was to James Johnson in the fourth yep. quarter. It was just really nicely timed. And 
uh, showed you know a good level of composure because he had a couple of turnovers where he looked a bit frazzled um, when the ball was in his hands a little bit too long. But yeah, he saw he, two defenders in this game with him at the ball, and I don't think that's something he's really seen much in the NBA so far. No, not at all, and it makes sense why because you know he's you know a, a really talented player, and you know when the superstars are there, that just doesn't happen. But yeah, it was good to see the three ball start to fall. Also, like you know the the driving game, you know getting some and ones. The, the floater that he sort of has is really, really uh, like awkward in, in a lot of ways because he jumps off the opposite foot in a lot of respects. Darius Garland does it a little bit too. You know, I've sort of seen, been watching a little bit of Kaz basketball and, and both of those guys have got this sort of weird herky-jerky sort of game and they're both really talented, you know, when it comes to the floater as well as the... Floaters the, are deadly too. They are. They are absolutely deadly. And it was good to see, you know, him sort of bully, you know, Facundo Campazzo and get to the line and because... That's probably one area that we were super happy about in, in summer league, but he hasn't really had the opportunity to do that. But you know, he he spoke to the Nets media uh, today, and he's sort of been chatting about the fact that you know he, he was able to put up a few more shots to allow him to get more rhythm, and you know that's that's up to Steve Nash to be able to utilize him because you know when Kyrie Irving is out, the Nets need Cam Thomas and his offense. You know, it's as simple as that, and you know how Steve Nash utilizes him is sort of you know yanking him in, yanking him out. It's sort of just like. You know, Karis LeVert and DMs like Russell of old under Kenny Atkinson. You know, some of it is just like, okay, let these guys just run, run yep. through it. If he misses, you know, if he's old five from three, so be it. Let him take a step back here or there. Let him, you know, make, throw a few turnovers because how else is he going to learn from, than other from the other than from the reps? Yeah, chatting to, to guys in the bench can can help a little bit here and there. So this was the the full Cam Thomas experience, and uh, I was left wanting more. He's just such a fun player to watch. You know, he has such a deep bag for a guy of, of his um, of his youth and his inexperience, but he's just got everything. He's a three-level scorer, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that I was able to see all of it on show tonight. Yeah, and it's crazy. It's like he's a rookie offensively. You know what I mean? Like he's he's learning a lot on the fly and starting to understand how guys are going to defend him. And you hear from, you know, NBA, you know, rookies or sophomores and how it's a transition from college basketball to the NBA because the, the way the game is played is differently. Like it's not the same game on the floor. Obviously, you know, at the end goal is to still put the ball through the hoop, but the way teams play defense, the way that they, you know, take shots on the floor, it's all a little bit different. I think an area that Cam definitely struggles is – defensively not as much on ball like I think on ball he does a solid job at least in terms of expectations it's like when it's transition or there's some type of confusion like he's always looking to get back to his guy rather than understanding that hey I need to pick up this player to stop the ball in transition there was a play tonight where he kind of didn't pick up Aaron Gordon Aaron Gordon drove to the rim ended up you know getting a layup where it's just like Cam you just got to slide over there I think defensively from just like a IQ perspective, he still needs plenty of work, but the effort and energy is there. It's just not really the know-how. Yeah. And I think NBA basketball, you know, rookies generally do struggle on defense. You yep. know, that's number one thing where they struggle more than, you know, and it's weird that this class of, of rookies that we have seen us in, you know, so many positive defenders and the Nets have one on their roster in Kessler Edwards. So yeah, he'll figure those things out, you know, watch the film, go behind the scenes, have a bit of a chat with some of the guys but, you know, he's going to get better. And I think that, to be honest, you know, this version of Cam Thomas is better than what I expected, especially on both ends of the floor. He's impacting the game. You know, when you are at LSU and when he's literally like one of the greatest shooters ever as a freshman, you know, he one of the leading scorers in summer league history. And now he has to change his game to an, I think this was more natural to him. This yep. was a, 
you know, allowed him to showcase himself and his skills in a more natural setting. So now he sort of has to go back to, okay, let's do this little role thing. And we've seen him do it, you know, a few times this season. We've, we've highlighted some of the, the really positive games that he has had. And, you know, it was the sort of breakout against Cleveland that was the, the big thing that we did see. So hopefully he is utilizing in a positive fashion and we get to see, you know, more great Cam moments going forward. Killy Cam, baby. Yeah, I mean... At the very least, he needs to be getting consistent minutes at home. You know, on the road, maybe it's a little bit different with Kyrie being back and you want to go a little bit more defense. But, you know, the guys he's competing with off the bench, there's no reason for him not to have a real opportunity. You know, Bruce Brown, like we talked about, has really struggled this season. Javon Carter probably had, you know, arguably his best game of the season in terms of, like, real minutes and having an impact on the floor. Javon finished with 13 points, 4 of 8 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 1 rebound, 3 assists, 1 steal. You know, this is kind of more of the Javon Carter I envisioned in the offseason when they did make the trade. You know, defensively, he still probably wasn't as good as I hoped that he would be, but he still played well on the end of the floor and then knocked down a couple threes, and that's all you really ask. And he didn't really take a ton of bad shots. There's probably two in there that I disagree with. Yeah, and look, he, he took seven threes, and I hit four of them. And, you know, I think most of them were, like you mentioned, Nick, were, were quality shots. You know, there was the what the offense was asking of him. You know, yep. you always sort of hear the players say, you know, I just gave, I just did what I get. I hit what the offense was giving me. I take what the offense is giving me, and that's what Javon Carter did tonight, rather than force the issue in a lot of respects. So, look, I don't know what can what Javon Carter's role is going to be with this team going forward, but I, I like the fact that he was able to have a good game because you know we heard DeAndre Bembry actually say to to the Nets media, and, and this is via Matt Brooks, he said that Javon Carter's been down a little bit about his minutes being up and down. He also adds that he's a professional. That's what JC does. He shoots threes. That's his game. He's always been a good three point shooter. Now, I know that we sort of, you know, have a lot of fun poking fun at, you know, different role players and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, these guys are human beings at the end of the day. You know, this is yep. their job. You know, this is their living. So to see, you know, Javon Carter have a bit of a nice game and, you know, hit a few of his three balls, hear the crowd roar, you know, make some good shots and, you know, have a few defensive plays, looked confident enough with the ball in his hands as well, wasn't, you know, sort of, as you alluded to, you know, forcing the issue either through passing or, you know, pull up twos and, and, and that sort of thing. So, look, if we get this version of Javon Carter for 80% of games, you know, for however long he is as a Brooklyn net, then I'll be very happy. Yeah. I think like there's a chance that maybe you give him a couple minutes in the next game with James Harden, because if he can play well, he gives you a little bit of spacing. And like, obviously this entire season has said that he's not going to play well, but guys can turn around. You know, there's plenty of players in the NBA or over the course of the time that you and I have watched basketball that have a terrible first half of the season, bounce back in the second half and play a level of basketball that impresses you and then ends up getting a contract they probably don't deserve. And then they're inconsistent again. So it's just like that's the Russell Westbrook experience. It sounds like Nick. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I'll sign that up for, you know, the, the rest of the year, especially right before the trade deadline of that pops up his value a touch. So, you know, whatever Javon happy to see him have a good game. Like you said, it, we expected him to be better than what we've seen this season. It's not like we expect him to be a world beater, but we expected him to be able to contribute to this team in some way. Tonight was really one of his first games where he contributed in a positive way for winning basketball. Yeah, he was a big part of momentum swings and and, and the Nets being able to arrest, you know, different little things and go on some mini runs themselves. And so it's a, a huge credit to him and a huge credit to him given, you know, the the status of his role within this team. It's so hard. It can, you can only imagine just being... Being cold, as they as they say, and just coming in and expecting to you know it contribute in a, in a meaningful way, given all the absences that the team does have. So uh, I think that it's 
you know, because we do game after game after game and we also do like to look at the big picture as well, you know, we're going to give credit where credit is due and Javon Carter deserves Javon credit. Yeah, I like that. Sounding like Iron Eagle on here. But uh, Blake Griffin, six points, three of seven from the field, 0 of two from three, five rebounds, four assists, zero turnovers. You know, Blake was minus 10, but I like some of the minutes he had out there. Obviously, nice to see him throw down a dunk and just his level of physicality. And then when he brings the ball up the court, it just feels like he always plays better in those games. Like whenever he's like feeling the ball and being involved rather than just kind of put in the corner or something, just seems like he's a little bit more energetic. Yeah, that's when the Nets just look better in, in, in a lot of ways, Nick, when that ball is moving around. And, you know, because they've got a Griffin and they've got a Johnson, those guys are willing passes. Sometimes, you know, they can be ancillary in some of the roles that they did play. I think some of us were wondering, okay, why isn't Blake out there? He could be out there instead of James Johnson. But ultimately, I don't think it really changed that, that much. But he did have also quite a nice sort of like crafty sort of veteran sort of low pass down to DeAndre Bembry that was sort of just weighted really nicely. I yeah, thought. I didn't know if that was like lucky or it was on purpose. Yeah, giving him credit, my guy. Come on, come on. Give, give Blake his due where, where credit is due. But And he also, you know, I, I thought that he was a, a bit unlucky, you know, from uh, Zeke Naji not to get the foul at the end of the first quarter because he was pushed. And then, you know, I think the possession before that as well, yeah, yeah, he probably could have got a, a foul as well. But you know, he showed good hops, and that was a, a really nice pass from Patty and also really nice time leap and, and, and jump from Blake Griffin as well. So it was cool to see that sort of energy because I think Blake is the sort of uh, locker room and role guy that just lifts the team and lifts the fans because he's just got this infectious personality about him, you know, whether it's the cowboy hats or the, the, the jokes and, you know, not knowing how to pronounce T- Timothee Lowell Cabarro. Um, he's just a fun guy. We, we, and I like fun guys. Yeah. And uh, just like you said, the energy, like after he had that dunk, it felt like the crowd just had a different level of like pop. And like, it's still Blake Griffin. Like he's still a big name player. It's just that he doesn't have that same level of talent and his body doesn't match up to like it used to. But Overall, you know, happy with the way a lot of guys played. You know, they just didn't quite have enough to get over the top. And like we said, a couple, I don't want to say lucky, but, you know, Austin Rivers going 7 of 10, a guy who's shooting 32% from three this season. You know, that's just that's just unlucky stuff there. So overall, you're happy with the energy, effort, and execution that this group put forward. You know, maybe knock down a couple more free throws, minus a couple bonehead plays, and rebound the ball better defensively. You might win the game. Nick, did we learn anything tonight that could be applied to when, you know, some or all of the superstars are back, you know, that we sort of saw, whether it was from, you know, some of the role players or some of the defense, some of the schemes, some of the the way the team was playing. What do you think, I guess, were the takeaways that could be, you know, applied to the Nets going forward? Like you mentioned, Jack, this starting lineup or maybe the addition or subtraction of Kessler Edwards for Cam Thomas or something like that could be an option to play in the non-James uh, Harden minutes at home. I think this game allows me to double down on two things. One, Bruce Brown having a really bad season. There's no reason to really put him in the rotation until he starts playing better. And then Cam Thomas needs to play, especially in the non-Kyrie games, just because he's a guy that can provide instant offense. He can provide you something and put pressure on the defense unlike other guys. And you know, you even saw the Nets tonight generate mismatches for him with some dribble handoffs or pick and roll situations, and he was able to cook guys. And that's just something that you need to have. You need to be able to have a guy on the floor that can just score the basketball and beat his man one-on-one and get a bucket. And Cam is that guy, and I get it. There's going to be rookie mistakes. There's going to be issues with him. But 
beggars can't be choosers when you're missing, you know, some of your best players and, you know, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, and like I said, Kyrie not at home. Yeah, I think it's about lineups and combinations you yep. know, that, that Steve Nash has to sort of figure out and, and that's his job. You know, figure out, look at the numbers, look at some of the tape and go, okay, Cam Thomas can do this or Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, does this with Patty Mills and Blake can do this with Patty. James Johnson's a really nice pass. He's got this sort of synergy. You know, these are some lineups, you know, write them down on a piece of paper if you need to, Steve. I use my notes quite a, a lot. It's it's why, you know, people are always like, oh, how do you have so many cool gifts and stuff, Jack? It's just like, I'm just got them all saved on my phone. And hopefully Steve Nash is one of those iPad guys. Seems to me that he'd be pretty yeah. tech savvy. So, uh, Stephen, you know, get, get on to it, mate. So, yeah, I think that you, you made a pretty pertinent point about Cam Thomas. I, I can't really say anything else. I think, you know, using James Johnson in, in certain ways, using, you know, a, a a Patty Mills, you know, alongside some of the the guys, you know, like Blake, like Lamarcus, like James Johnson, you know, he just seems to have such good chemistry with so many of the different guys out there, and and maybe who knows, Javon Carter, like alongside, you know, I think Javon Carter makes more sense next to James Harden than yep. Cam Thomas in a lot of respects. Yeah, I mean, if Javon Carter, they showed the clip on the Yes Network of him being money from that one spot. If he can just sit on that one spot in the wing, I guess, and knock down threes from there, that'd be really effective. Just provide some spacing. Like, that's possibly an opportunity for him. But him, obviously, one game sample size, we don't really know if that's going to work. But even just talking about the lineups that we've been seeing from the Nets, if they go with the starting lineup of the next game, Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills, James Harden, Kessler Edwards, and Dayron Sharp, and then you, you know, your first sub is maybe uh, Cam for Patty, and then you can stagger that next set of minutes and have some group of Patty, Lamarcus, James Johnson on the floor. You know what I mean? Like that's something to go with. Even more so, probably at home, rather subtract the Kyrie Irving from it, and now you're trying to get that as your second unit because Patty, James, uh, James Johnson, Lamarcus Aldridge, and even Cam Thomas feels like it can generate you at least some offense. Maybe not. You won't go plus in those minutes, but you should be able to just maintain. Or hang. No, def- no, yeah, definitely. I think because there's a- enough ball movement, there's enough savviness. You know, guys can create for themselves and others. You know, guys know where each each other likes their certain sort of spots. I think Patty's probably the best player next to Lamarcus Aldridge in a lot of respects, better than James Harden because he just knows you know where LA loves it. You know, in the mid range, and yep. you know he had a few just wide open shots tonight because it was just like well, the the gravity was towards some of the drivers, and some of that was James Johnson, some of that was Patty Mills. But Nick, anything else before we get to uh, some of James Harden updates? Um, no, I think that's. That's it for this game. Obviously, you know, no stars in this one. But like we said, there there was a, it's a more entertaining game than anticipated. Definitely. So this is via Adrian Wojnarowski. ESPN sources, the Brooklyn Nets won't listen to trade deadline overtures for James Harden, a result largely rooted in the all-NBA guards' repeated insistences to ownership and management that is committed to the franchise. Nick, when you hear it from Woj, it's pretty credible. And I think some of his ESPN sources are pretty obvious because, you know, <laughs> whenever we, I think we can all put two and two together by now that, you know, Sean Marks is, has used in the past and is using right now Adrian Wojnarowski as a mouthpiece. But when you saw this drop and when you saw him on NBA Countdown, what did you think? Yeah, I saw this is kind of just like the Nets 
uh, attack back at the Sixers. Obviously, they had the media leak about James Harden. A lot of that, some of that maybe was from James Harden's camp, but a lot of a lot of it probably was from Daryl Morey and the Sixers. And now the Nets kind of respond with, you know, Harden's not going anywhere. He's happy in Brooklyn. And obviously, this is a little bit of a game we'll see played across the rest of the season and probably leading up to the offseason. I think it gives you more confidence in terms of the Nets and obviously James Harden's future with them. But at the end of the day, you know, he still is a free agent in the offseason. A lot of things can happen negatively or positively. I don't think there's going to be any, you know, definitive decision on James Harden's future, you know, January 26, 2022. Like when we'll know or have a better idea what's going to happen with James Harden's future is the day that the season ends for the Nets. Is that holding an NBA championship or is that a second round knockout or something like that? You know, if it goes bad and they lose, there's a, a higher chance that he leaves. If they win a championship, it's hard to envision him leaving. So until then, it's kind of just a lot of talk. Yeah, this is going to be ongoing. And yep. like we alluded to, you know, on the clear out and the clear out crossover pod that I did with Matt Brooks, and like we alluded to it on the episode yesterday and some of your comments as well, this is just going to be an issue. And there is validity to a lot of, you know, James yep. Harden's frustrations and, you know, possible rumors here and there. Yes, there's a lot of Daryl Morey stuff. Yes, Jake Fisher has close ties to Philadelphia reporters and Philadelphia people, you know, at the 76ers organization. But at the same time, you know, I think James Harden's frustrations are warranted. We've said that a million times, but this is via the uh, Woj piece as well. Nick, Nets owner Joe Sy and general manager Sean Marks are buoyed, uh, buoyed, buoyed. I say buoyed. What, what do you say? Do you say buoyed or buoyed? You know, I never really thought about it like that. It's not a word I come across a lot. <laughs> Well, you know, lucky I'm the one reading the article, I guess. Uh, <laughs> actually, maybe you should be reading because we've just spent about 20 seconds talking about Bowie. Uh, not only by Harden's consistent internal stance, but the shared public and private belief among superstars Harden, Durant, and Irving that the three make the Nets an unstoppable team when playing together. Yeah, we know that they're an unstoppable team when they play together. We've seen it for 200 minutes or however long yep. it is, and dear Lord, do they look like that. And hopefully... <laughs> We can see that at some point. We've seen it this year against the Chicago Bulls. It looked pretty goddamn good as well. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, really it. Like, you just need to see the team at together. And I think also when James Harden sees them all together, like this season, it'll alleviate a lot of that frustration because it's like, wow, basketball is going to be easy because that's what it is when you're playing with those stars because, okay, you're doing this. We're going to do that. We're going to score a basket or we're going to get a really good look from it. And also, like, it hurts that Joe Harris isn't there. Joe Harris is an elite floor spacer. There's not many role players in the NBA that can provide you that level of space. And also just like willingness to do some of the dirty work. Like he's a guy that doesn't mind bumping and grinding defensively and just kind of fighting for boards. And obviously what we're going to see with Joe it, Harris bump and grind. Yeah, yeah. Jack's getting a little too happy on the show today. Uh, no, but you know, we'll just see when everyone's fully healthy and that'll kind of give us the answers we need to know. And I think we kind of already know what to expect in that situation. It's just a matter of everyone being healthy and on the floor and hopefully getting rid of a mandate or, you know, Kyrie getting vaccinated. Yeah. It's all, all things that are still up in the air. Unfortunately, you know, I think that, you know, out of the three things that we sort of talk about, you know, Joe Harris's injury, Kevin Durant's injury, Kyrie Irving's vaccination status, Kevin Durant's injury seems to be the one that it's just going to be like, yep, that'll be fine. He's had an MCL injury before. Yep. He also speak on his podcast um, with Eddie Gonzalez about, you know, the fact that, yeah, it's, I, I sort of knew my own body. I sort of knew that it was, you know, but it, I'm going okay and, I, and I'll be all right going back. Whereas 
Joe Harris, unfortunately, doesn't have his own podcast. You can come on the buzz, Joey Buckets. Please, mate, please come on. We'd love to hear about what's going on with the ankle injury and, and the second opinion and all that sort of stuff because, you know, Sean and Stephen won't tell us anything. You know, I, you know, I don't normally besmirch my fellow uh, Southern Hemisphere brethren and Sean Marks, but it'd be nice to hear how Joe's ankle is going. But, you know, we'll hopefully we get We did some- get an update on... Uh- Kevin Durant from Steve Nash too, saying he would be reevaluated in the next week. And we'll see in response to the report on him being out through the all-star break. I don't know if that really means anything. I would probably still bet on him being out through the all-star break, but you know, Steve Nash, a little nugget. And we did also hear, I think that James Harden will probably be back against Golden State. Yeah. Nothing confirmed just yet, but Kyrie will definitely be playing. Look, we've got a superstar back, you know, hopefully we get two of them. Yeah, it'll be a superstar backcourt versus another superstar backcourt. So that'll be pretty fun against the Warriors. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.